part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Have you ever been, you know, in a mall or another place that's unfamiliar and you saw one of these signs somewhere on there? When I was a kid at Six Flags, you know, we would have the agenda. And that is that we wanted to ride all the roller coasters and all the different things. And so we would go into the park and they would rearrange some of the things each year. And so you'd go in there and you'd have to find out where you were and where you wanted to go. If you wanted to go over to the Scream Machine, Goliath, or whatever it was that you wanted to ride. And so you kind of had this marker of where you presently were, and then it helped direct where you wanted to go. It's very helpful as you're looking for direction in life. In a way, wouldn't it be great if God did that to you? <laughs> if you had kind of one of these in life, you just could go over to the poster. You are here. You know, July 28th, 2019. And that you could either see where God wanted you to go and you could kind of, you know, see the dots that would go on that path and kind of know if I need to go north or west or whatever it is, if I need to go up or down or whatever the direction might be. Or that you said, okay, here's where I want to be in five years, ten years, and fifteen years. And so, God, how do I get there? See, one of the greatest dilemmas of our lives, of the unknown of tomorrow is that we have calendars and we have planners and we have schedules. That's not a problem. The problem is that nothing is guaranteed and things change all the time. And we've said this before, the older you get, the more you realize that you can put all the data and all the information you want to on your calendar and it is by the grace of God that that next day happens, that things happen every single day that you did not expect. And so sometimes in that frustration of the unknown, some people handle it better than others. People, there's some of us that really like adventure. It's like you wake up tomorrow and everything has changed. Well, good, this is going to be an adventure. Other people totally freak out because all of a sudden their plans, not only for the week, for the day, for the year, for their life has been disruptive and they don't know how to deal with that chaos. And so there's a lot of times in our lives that, that, you know, maybe in our spiritual life we come and say, okay, God, will you just direct me? There's two questions that I think that, are, that come up in counseling in some form. I'm not saying that they come up in this exact verbiage, but they kind of go like this, that as I sit down and do a lot of pastoral counseling, as we come to a place of spiritual identity, here's where I am, thus two questions come out of that. Well, where do I go from here, and how do I go from here? Would you say that this morning that those are somewhat relevant questions to your life? Where do I go from here? Here's where I am. God, you've shown me where I am in both my life stage and this, that, and the other. Here's where I am. But, God, where do I go from here? Because maybe last week you got one of those life's curveballs. Or maybe all of a sudden something happened that you did not expect. And all of a sudden you're finding yourself, yeah, God has identified where you are, but you have no ability to really sense where your next step should be. I found over the years that these two questions really burn within us. The good thing is that God has given us answers for that. God has extended an invitation to us, not that he's always going to give us every detail, but he has told us, and in fact in this passage, he has invited us to come in to find answers of where we go 
and how we go there. And so open your Bibles, again, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 this morning. And we're going to look at the application. He uses the word wisdom here. And you can use that word in a lot of different ways. We're going to look at the background, the biblical background of that, uh, so that we make sure that we're keeping everything in context and that we're preaching God's word and not some version that Bobby has come up with that could be perverted there. We want God's word this morning. And so we go back and we begin to say, okay, biblically, what is wisdom? You can look up in dictionaries. You do, But biblically, this is a really sound uh, meaning uh, and definition of wisdom. Look what it says. The ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. Basically, if you would allow me to paraphrase, where do I go and how do I go there? I mean, if we really want to kind of make it simple, okay, what is wisdom? Well, wisdom, one of the applications of wisdom is that best path, you know, that, God, you have this path that you would like for us to go. So here's where I am. You, you identify where you are. But, God, where do you want me to go and how do I get there? So we're going to keep it somewhat simple this morning as we look to this verse and we begin to see how God kind of ex- just kind of extends this invitation. Look again, verse 5 of James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Now, we have to do a little bit of a correction, maybe a little bit of an asterisk right there, because if we read that verse all by itself, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all. But we have to read it in the context of the letter. If you go back to verse 1, James is writing to Christians. He says, to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. In other words, these people from this Jewish background that now have converted to Christianity, they're Christians. And we see in verse 2 that he uses this term brothers. So he's talking about the intimacy of the relationship of the church. He's talking about the universal church. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. So I do not believe, in my personal understanding, that this is an extension that anybody in the whole world can come up and really just, you know, think that, okay, they're going to play upon God and that God is going to give this wisdom. Now, because he is generous and because he's gracious, I do believe that somebody who does not know God whatsoever, if they come to that place in their life and they go, God, I just don't know what to do. I think we have a God who truly much has reflected throughout Scripture his heart for broken people. But if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. You have not made that that affirmation of your faith to place all your trust in the finished work of Christ. I don't know that we can just nail to this this to the wall and say, this 100% applies to me. It applies in the grace that God would extend perhaps. But if you are here this morning as a Christian, that is, you've placed your trust of your rightness with a holy God, in the finished work of Christ, this is an open invitation to you. And God extends to you. Hey, you lack wisdom? That would be everybody in the room. You need to know where to go. You need to know how to get there. I'll give you that. And I'll give it to you generously. See, we begin to see when we do a research on this word wisdom, we can go all the way back to the Old Testament course that would have been in the Hebrew instead of the Greek but we go back there and we see this Hebrew word hakma 
And basically we see it introduced into the language of the Bible when uh, they were putting together Aaron, the first high priest that God ordained as a high priest. Remember Moses and Aaron? And they were making this outfit of the high priest. And he didn't just say, okay, put on your Sunday best and show up. No, he told them, here's how you're going to dress. And it was very specific. In fact, you could go back to Exodus. Most of us won't do this. But you could go back to Exodus, and I think there's like 40 straight verses that describe this outfit. And most of us would get to about the third verse of that and go, okay, enough. I'm going to give it to God that he had a plan. Well, the word wisdom there is that God was using skilled people to follow the pattern of this design so that they could make this high priestly guard for Aaron. And so the whole word comes to there's a plan. Whose plan is it? God's plan. And he equips and he skills people to be able to follow the plan. And thus they were able to make this outfit for Aaron, the first high priest, and he was able to do that. That's the background of this word. And so when we keep it in context, it is showing us that they needed a plan. Here's where we are. You've set up a tabernacle. You've set up this place called the Holy of Holies that we talked about a little bit like uh, last week. He said, okay, now you want Aaron to be this high priest that goes into this Holy of Holies, and you want him to be dressed. And God, you actually have described and given us detail of how you want him out. Here's where we are. Where do we go? And how do we go? And God gave every detail to the point where we would say almost in a boring way because it's very, very detailed. But it was all about God's plan, God equipping skilled people, and then they were able to do that and and pull that off. Another way that we really begin to think about wisdom is then the application of wisdom. That's the the root of wisdom, that God has a plan, and he gives us details how to follow that. When you put it into personal life, a lot of times in the Old Testament we'll think of Solomon. And Solomon had kind of a a rough little lot in that he was about 20 years old and became king of one of the most powerful nations on all of earth, Israel. He was also David's son. And so he had some really big shoes to fill in his life. And so at 20 years old, when you have to follow a legend, it's really kind of hard. When you have the weight of a whole nation, and it's a prosperous nation, and it's one of the most influential nations on the planet Earth, those are big, big shoes. But again, God in his grace and his mercy, this character of God that extends himself, okay, you need direction, Solomon? And so he poses to Solomon. We see there in, in, uh, in 1 Kings 4.34 that God gave Solomon so much wisdom that the news traveled. Now, this is before the Internet, okay? This is before you could see something that was happening halfway around the world in a split second in real life. We're talking about this is before there was any kind of communication except for just man-to-man, face-to-face, and you'd have to ride into the next tribal village to be able to spread the news. But look what it said. God said, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. And Solomon didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for fame or fortune or anything like that. He said, what I need, what I really need at 20 years old, 
But the heaviness of this task of leading people, this great people, what I need more than anything is wisdom. Here's where I am, and I need to know where to go and how to go. And look how God answered. Look at that verse. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of this wisdom. Now again, really kind of grasp as much as you can how extraordinary that is that the world began to know of Solomon's wisdom. This morning, that invitation through the finished work of Christ is there for us. God puts before us this very morning an opportunity to truly come and leave here wiser than we came. Not just with more data in our head, not just more Bible factoids and different things like that, but true wisdom. To know, here's where we are, but I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't even know what next week holds. I, I don't know the direction for my career. I don't know the direction of my family. I don't even know how to lead my family more anymore. My kids are getting up and they're starting to do this and that. And I don't know and I'm overwhelmed. I mean, some of you are sitting here this morning. And you could, I don't like categories, but if we just wanted to say, okay, there's a portion of people here that said, man, where I am right now, you know, this, you are here. Man, I didn't think I'd be here where I am a year ago. And you are living this very morning in that question mark of how surprising life can be, even if you have all the plans and you have all the efforts that you've put forth. Life is surprising. There's others of you that you're working a plan. And you said, here's what I want to be at 35, and here's what I want to be at 40, and here's what I want to be at 45. And you're working a plan, and you're somewhat working it right now, and you're seeing kind of things come together. And and there's this false impression in your mind that if I just try this plan, if I work this plan hard enough, that everything is going to fall into place. And at 35, I'm going to hit this mark, and at 40, I'm going to hit this mark, and at 45, I'm going to hit this mark. How many of you that are here this morning that are 60 and older would tell that 30-year-old, that 35-year-old that it's great to have plans but be ready to adjust? How many of 60-plus? Because because what, what have we learned? What we learn with wisdom is that it's good to have plans. The Bible talks all throughout Proverbs, have plans. But as many plans as we have, it is God and God's grace that that gives us the steps and the ability to go left or right or forward or backward or stay still. So we begin to look at what God did through Solomon. where He was overwhelmed. He was intimidated. And yet what we see there is that God gave him this wisdom. In 2 Chronicles 1.10, let's just go to verse 10. It says, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Basically what Solomon is saying. Here's where I am. Where do I go from here? And how do I get there? Well, Pastor, that's about the fifth time, the sixth time you've said that this morning. You'll probably hear it about four or five more times. Because it's a relevant question to this whole approach of wisdom. And it's one of those questions, or two of those questions that seem to be more relevant at 2 a.m. in the darkness of night than 2 p.m. in the light of day. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
There's a lot of things that when we're in the 2 p.m. of the light of day, there's a lot of activity going around. We're just kind of working the plan. We're just kind of dealing with the chaos. 2 a.m. in the dark of night. God, where do I go? Where do I go from here, God? And how do I get there? Are we connecting? Do you understand that? The difference between 2 p.m. and 2 a.m.? And the depth of that question in our souls? See, at 2 p.m., we're in sensory overload. There's all kinds of things happening all over. 2 a.m., it's us and the darkness. Us and the darkness. And if you're a believer, a God who has claimed you as his own. And that's the invitation. That's what he puts out before us this day. You lack wisdom? You're sitting there at 2 a.m. and you're wondering, where do I go? How, how do I go there? You have a God who knows your name. You have a God who knows the number of hairs on your head. You have a God who knows exactly where you are. And you have a God who already knows where you will be. Besides salvation, guys, I mean, nothing is going to ever be greater than that God saved us from our sin and gave us life eternal and life with Him. But right up there with that is that God says, okay, I'm going to be a personal father to you. That you're not abandoned here and you're not left to the chaos of your life to kind of find out, do I go left or do I go right? Do I just stay still? But that He has said, I will give you wisdom. I'll direct your steps. Well, after James writes this, and as he gives us this verse, there's four different things this morning. If you're a note taker, there's in the back of your bulletin there, there's, there's a place you can write these four things down. There's four things that we say. And, and guys, I'm not one of these f- formula people. I mean, we love four things to do because it puts it all back on our shoulder. And we actually like that we're in control. And most of the Bible is not written in such a way that, uh, that we can just do it by list. But this is actually going to be kind of a list. This is how James writes it. It's the difference, if you've ever done Bible study, between prescriptive doctrine in, in Bible and descriptive. There's sometimes we're reading something in the Bible and it's just descriptive. It says, here's what happened. You go back to Exodus and it says, well, here's what happened. doesn't mean that... You're to do that. But then there's other times in the Bible that it is very prescriptive. And God intends us in the day and age that we live to follow this prescription, so to speak. Understand that? You go to the doctor. Doctor says, okay, here's the problem. I diagnosed it. Here's the medicine to correct this ailment. That's prescription. And you take that prescription or you say, oh, I'm just going to do it on my own. Well, God has given us a prescription here. So these four things are going to be straight from God's word, and they are kind of come out, they're going to come out a little bit in list form. What's the first one? The first thing that God tells us to do here in this scripture, in James 1, 5, is he says we have to admit the need for godly wisdom. That didn't show up quite as much as I thought it would as I was doing the slides, but if you can see there in, in the... Uh, uh, Read, if any of you lacks wisdom. 
this humility that comes when we figure out that we don't have all the answers is one of the hardest humilities to come to, humbleness to come to in life. Because you are pre-wired from birth with the nature that we have to think that you can kind of come up with your best plan. Would you agree with that, that for the most part? Now, every parent in here, would you agree that your children, now the Eastmans are here, so you, so, you know, we don't have a sampling of one. We have a large sampling. We have a lot of data. Would you say that in, amongst your children, you, you've got five children there, that, that they kind of came pre-wired to kind of think that they have a good plan for their own life? That no matter how much mom and dad said, okay, no, we really don't need to eat you know, five cookies at 5.15 before supper because you're going to ruin your supper. And so that's the, the parental wisdom. And yet I imagine that there would be at least one of your gang that says, I can do it. You know, five cookies is just, a, that's my warm-up for my dinner. Would you agree that in their mind, they don't see your plan and the wisdom of your plan, but they have a plan that makes sense in their own mind? Hey, when I was 12, 13 years old, five cookies? No, that was nothing but a warm-up. I mean, I could do you dinner after that. But you see, we're pre-wired. And just because all of a sudden we start adding digits to that number of the years that we've made a rotation around the sun doesn't mean that all of a sudden at 30 it just kicks in and we figure out that we're clueless. No, if anything, we think that we've gained more knowledge at 30 and maybe at 40 and then at 50 to think, okay, I can handle this. I'm smart enough to kind of predict the way that I need to go. The first step that he gives us here, the first thing that he says, okay, you want this kind of wisdom from God? Here's the first thing you need to do. You need to humble yourself and admit and ask God for wisdom. And let's be honest. In theory, that sounds really simple. In reality, that's really hard. Because everything within our own personal nature says, okay, God, but what if you don't do this? What if you don't do that? And we're filled with fear because sometimes God's ways can be very, not only unpredictable, but they can be counterintuitive. Has God ever led you in a way that seemed counterintuitive? I mean, throughout the Bible, the words of Jesus. Okay, you want to live? Well, here's how you live. You've got to die first, and then you can really live. Well, I wasn't thinking about that, Jesus. Well, Jesus said, I want to be first. How, how do I become first? Well, you become first by becoming last. Well, Jesus, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, God, I, you know, Jesus, I want to be forgiven. How do I become forgiven? You forgive. A lot of the instructions that Jesus gives is counterintuitive of, of what we would call common sense. It kind of comes in the back door or upside down. And so a lot of times we refrain from asking God for wisdom because we're afraid that God's going to give us something that really doesn't make sense that fits our intuitive nature. It's counter that. So the first thing we have to do is humble ourselves. Here's what it says in Proverbs 11:2. When pride comes, look what it says, then comes disgrace. But you read the last part of that verse. But with, let me hear you, humility comes what? So he says, man, the foundation, you want wisdom? You want to know where to go and how to go? He said the foundation starts with humility. To understand that God is this amazing God and that he has a best way for you. Solomon had the best training. 
He had this awesome dad. He had all these different things. But I think the connection that we see of why God gave him this amazing wisdom is because Solomon, when he was 20 years old, said, I am overwhelmed and I cannot do this. I am at 20 years old, the king of one of the mightiest nations in the history of the world, and I don't know where to go or how to go there. And God said, I can help with that. And he made him so wise that in a day when information traveled slower than a snail's pace, that the whole world heard of Solomon's wisdom. And kings sent people to go hear this wisdom from Solomon. This is what we have, this attitude. God says, okay, first step, humble yourself. Brokenness. And I'll give you wisdom. But then there's a second thing that we see. And it's simply to ask God. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. James is going to tell us later on in this same letter, James 4.2, you have not because you ask not. 20 different times, listen guys, 20 different times in the New Testament we see this mentality. You have not because you ask not. Or this invitation to ask of God. And so that humility presents for us an opportunity. And so, okay, God, I need this. Many of us in here were givers and not takers. And if you're a giver by nature, if you're kind of that servant nature, bless you. Man, we need you. But have you ever discovered how hard it is for you to be a taker? When you're just a giver and you're a servant and you're going, okay, what needs to be done? You need chairs put up, Pastor? You need this? When you have that nature, it is hard for you to be that one that goes, well, here's what I need. Man, we'll go to I serve all day and serve those who are in need. And yet it's hard for us sometimes to admit, hey, I'm the one here that's in need. And my need isn't food. My need is, is wisdom, God. So, so we have to admit that we have this need. We humble ourselves, and then we ask God. But look at the reinforcement that we have there. We're not asking a stingy God. How many of you would be willing to go up to uh, the local IRS agent, if there is such a thing, um, and say, look, you know, this tax bracket that I'm in seems a little onerous. I mean, it just, it's just kind of a heavy thing. I'm going to ask, would you let me go down to just giving 10% or 5% on my taxes next year? Would you, I'm just going to pick you, Mark, you're there. Would you feel that you could go to the local IRS agent and ask that? What would prohibit you from asking the local guy if he could take you down to a 5% tax bracket? Pride certainly would be there, but then the wallet talks pretty loud, though. Would you find a generous, do you think you would find a generous spirit on the other side? See, that's, that would probably be my hesitation. I have no problem. I'm, I mean, if it comes to money, I'm very humble. I mean, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll ask you, hey, can we cut that down 10%? I have no problem asking and humbling myself for that. My whole thing in that scenario is I don't know that I'm going to find 
a generous spirit on the other side. I don't know that I'm going to find a guy that just says, you know, we're the government and we're here to help you. (laughs) We're here to assist you and make your life better. Now what we begin to find, you know, in something like that in the tax code, no, this is what you owe. But that's not what we find in this God that has extended this invitation. Look what it says. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you admit your need. Let him ask of God. You're going to ask him who gives generously to all without reproach. That means without reserve. It means that there is more than enough being offered. God owes us nothing. Please understand this. God owes us nothing. That he would give us his son would have been more than enough. The Apostle Paul kind of says it this way. Bobby's paraphrase. I'm the most blessed of all men if all I ever had was just the salvation of God. He doesn't say that you're not going to find that exact wording in the verse. But basically, that's the attitude of Paul. If God did nothing but save me, and then I led a life full of torture on this earth, I'm the most blessed man of God. Because he understood that this gift of Christ was just so magnanimous in his life. But God goes even farther. He says, not only do I want you to have eternal life, And I want you to have abundant life. We have this generous God. When I would spend some time in summer with my grandma, my grandma is just a godly lady. And she's the same one that would ask me after breakfast if I wanted ice cream. I love that lady. And when grandma would go scoop out the ice cream for grandchildren. Now, see, when Mama scooped out ice cream, it's like, this is all you need, okay? Very measured. When Grandma scooped out ice cream, like half the carton came with it. If she could have gotten the whole carton on that scoop, she would have put it on. That's just Grandma. I don't want to get into bad theology here, guys. God is not your granddaddy in the sky just ready to give you big scoops. But that is his heart, if it's good for you. We don't want to turn, we we don't want to make him some big Santa Claus that is just waiting there. What can I give you and give you and give you? But he is, his spirit is one that is generous. His spirit is one, if this is good for you, then you get a big scoop. And that's what he said about wisdom. He said, not only do you need this wisdom, but when you come and you humble yourself and you're broken before me, and you say, God, I need to know where to go and how to go. He says, look, you know, let me go get my little tiny scoop here and let me put that on your, on your plate here. So God gets out this scoop and he takes the whole carton and he gives generously. You need to ask God. The third thing that we see there, we need to anticipate God's gift of wisdom. Look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith without, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Again, we see the core, our core being exposed here. He says, okay, do you have the attitude of humility, this brokenness? Not this outward showing. Is your heart broken so that you cry out to a holy God, God, I need your help? Then we come and we actually ask God, will you give me wisdom? And then we get to this third place. He says, okay, really important in this is that you would anticipate that not only is God willing, but that he will give what is best. 
we anticipate, anticipate by faith that God is going to answer this call upon our life. And sometimes this is the hardest part. For what if God says, I want you to go left when your plan was to go right? What if your plan was to take three steps forward from where you are and God said, be still and know that I am God? Have you ever wanted to move and God in His wisdom, in His protection, in His generous spirit said, be still and know that I'm God? Frustrating, guys. You would think that that would be comforting. Oh, He just said, hang out right here. No, you have wheels and you're ready to roll. The plan in your head really makes sense. Three steps, and man, I'll be right here. And I'll serve you gladly. He says, no, be still and know that I am God. There's other times that we want to move forward, and God actually says, don't be still. I actually want you to go back three steps. Well, God, that's not what I had in mind. (laughs) Because when I go back three steps, that actually is where a lot of hurt was in my life, (laughs) a lot of frustration, a lot of, you know, Maybe even a little bit of anger there. And and the last place I want to go is back there. He says, no, I want you to go back there because there's some things I want to restore so that you can then go and be three steps ahead. See, this is the hard thing about really asking in faith. Because true faith in God's answer is to be able to receive and then respond to what God has said. And we're pretty much conditional people. We we don't mind hearing God, listening to God, but we want to put conditions on it. And James is talking about a faith here, an anticipation that if God says be still, that there's wisdom in being still. If he says go back three steps, that there's wisdom in going back three steps. If he says go left and you had planned to go right, because in your mind that's what makes sense, that there's faith in God. Okay, God, this is counterintuitive to everything that I know to be right. But because I asked for your wisdom and this is what you're telling me, God, in faith, I'm going to go left instead of right. I'm going to be obedient. Does that make sense, guys? How difficult this can be? He even uses an example there. Look what he says in verse 7 and 8. He describes this person who's asked God, but then he's not going to respond in faith. And look how he describes this man who who asked God, but then doesn't trust God's answer. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Well, that's kind of different from the attitude that he had in verse 5. What word did he use in verse 5 to describe his spirit of willingness? Generous. He goes, generously. He said, man, if you don't have faith to to really kind of accept the the way that God wants you to go, then he said, you really can't expect anything here. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Please don't think that all of a sudden you hit a nerve in God to the point where he becomes angry. Now, what he says is the way this works is in your brokenness, you admit that you don't know, and so you ask of me, but when you ask... When I give answer, you've got to be able to trust me. You need to really trust me, even though you don't see the complete picture. Because I do, and this is what is best. And then there's one last step there. 
And I hate that word step because I never want Christianity to be steps. But that's the way that this is written. It really is written in a prescriptive way to where we are to follow these directions. And so the last part is probably one of the hardest. And that is to apply God's wisdom to your steps. James says a little bit later on in the chapter in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves to what it says. Eventually there comes a point in this whole, if you want to call it a process, where we humble ourselves, we ask God, we come and we, he begins to, to give us an answer. We receive that in faith. There's a time and place that it becomes Monday morning and you've got to go out and live it. There's a time that 2 a.m., turns into 7 a.m. Does that make sense? Have you ever had a time in your life that at 2 a.m. it finally made sense? It clicked? God just, he brought wisdom. And at 2 a.m. in the darkness of night, when you cried out to a holy God and he generously gave you direction, it made sense tomorrow morning. Here's what I'm going to do because this is what God said. He said, man, take three steps or to be still and know that I'm God or whatever it was. And at 2 a.m. it made such sense. And then the alarm goes off and it's 7 a.m. and there's time that you have to kind of put into action. And then all of a sudden you're going, whoa. This made sense at 2 a.m., but it makes no sense at 7 a.m. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Where are you this morning? I didn't want to be overly cute and I don't know if I should have done this or not, but I was going to get a piece of paper with a really big X on it, you know, because the X kind of marks the spot of where you are. And I thought, you know, that would be, you know, everybody was going to have their X. This is where you are this morning. And then I talked myself out of it, 2 a.m. and 7 a.m. You know, it's one of those things where you're sitting there going, okay, that way they could just put right down there on the floor, right at their feet, this is where I am this morning. So at least visually in your mind, you're holding a piece of paper right now, okay, that has a big X on it. And you put that at your feet, and you say this morning, man, this is where I am. And God, here's, here's what I present to you. God, here's my need from you. I admit my need. I don't know where to go, and I don't know how to go there. And so I'm coming as, as much faith as I can have, and I'm just broken before you, and, and I'm saying, okay, God, will you direct my ways? If it's to be still and know that you're a God, then help me to, to be still in a quiet spirit. If it's to go three feet forward, help me to do that. If it's to go back two steps, let me do that. Whatever, God, whatever you lead me to do, there's that time when we, this becomes the reality. Will we live it out? And so this morning, as you entertain where you are, where God has for you in the future, realize that he's a generous God. He's a God who says, I'm willing to leave. And put into plan this prescription. Again, I hate steps. And yet, I can't preach this any other way because that's how James wrote it. And so I believe that this is the instruction of God. I believe this is one of those prescriptive member measures in the Bible that says, okay, let me walk you through this. And this morning, I pray that as we would apply this to our lives, that we would walk through 
what God has instructed to our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, I don't know what the hardest part of this is to admit that we truly need direction. Father, I don't know if it's in the asking part. Sometimes it's hard for some of us to ask someone else, even a neighbor for help, much less to come to a holy God and ask for help. Father, I don't know if it's harder to have that faith once we begin to anticipate that you're going to actually answer our prayer. Or Father, if it's hardest when it really becomes 7 a.m. Monday morning and we have to put this into action. Father, my confession is that every one of these are difficult because I have an independent spirit. I have a mind that says, okay, I'm pretty smart and I can go this way. Father, will you help me? Will you? Father, will you humble us so that we can just come and say that we are not God? We're not even the God of our own lives. And that we desperately, desperately, desperately need you this morning. So we confess, Father, we lack wisdom. We don't know where to go and we don't know how to go there. And Father, we may not have this huge amount of faith this morning, but Father, we're going to claim your promise that even if we have a faith of a mustard seed, if we place that faith in you, and you will move mountains. Father, this morning, teach us your word. Help us to apply your word. Father, help us to be broken and humbled before you. Help us to leave here not just with more data in our mind, but, Father, that we would draw close to you in this moment and and, and just ask you to lead us and guide us and give us wisdom. We love you and we thank you as we put all of our hope in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.